Black Box Radio. We are a media platform illustrating black excellence. You already know. We out here. Hey. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Boxer. Black Box Radio. Boxer. Black Box Radio. We are here with Adam Jackson. And he is, he has a company. Well, it's not nonprofit, so it's for profit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. Mm-hmm. And the people want to know what that is. So, uh, so I run, so I'm the Chief Executive Officer of uh, Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle, LBS for short. Mm-hmm. Uh, the short explanation of who we are is that we're a grassroots political think tank located here in Baltimore, whose public, who focuses uh, the public policy agenda of black people uh, here in Baltimore City and around the state of Maryland. So we do a lot of political advocacy, particularly in Annapolis during the legislative session, and also uh, locally with the city council and the mayor for issues that affect our community. A lot of our stuff has been focused on criminal justice uh, reform, particularly after the uh, murder of Freddie Gray in 2015. Uh, but we've been working in Baltimore for about nine years. Okay. And so you vastly about criminal. It's mostly a lot of criminal le- legislation that you guys are mm-hmm. in Annapolis trying to yeah, lobby so, for. Yeah, so a, a lot of times what happened, well, when we first started back in 2010, uh, we were recent college graduates. A lot of us were from Baltimore, and we did policy debate in high school and college. And so because of that experience that we had uh, on the national level by doing policy debate, uh, we had to do high-level uh, competition against research tier universities and institutions like Harvard and Emory and Dartmouth and all those folks. Sure. And so when you reach those levels, you realize how uh, unintelligent white folks uh, are, even at the highest levels, and how race uh, illiterate they are when it comes to issues affecting black people. Amazing. And so, and so that was uh, a lot of our intellectual training ground and a lot of organizing work we did while we were students at Towson. Okay. Because uh, that university is, uh, you know, large, white, predominantly white university. And so we were able so to... So you were on the debate team there. Let's, let's, mm-hmm, let's mm-hmm. get a little context. Oh, yeah. I was a student. I was a... So in high school, I went to Digital Harbor High School, mm-hmm. graduated 2006. Gotcha. And I was a debater uh, in high school, uh, part of the, the Urban Debate League here. And then when I finished high school, I got a urban scholarship. Urban Debate League? Yeah, the Baltimore Urban Debate League. Baltimore Urban Debate League. Mm-hmm. And it was a part of the larger, you know movement around the country happening at that time okay. uh, with urban debate league like urban cities having debate leagues wow and that was uh, funded by george soros and um you know i didn't really enjoy i mean i enjoyed the, the competition as a young person mm-hmm. but when i realized when i became conscious of racism and white supremacy and the pervasiveness of uh, white supremacy and nonprofits, um i actually grew a lot more uh, frustrated with my experience as a young person and so when I, but luckily when I finished high school, I got a full uh, tuition scholarship to go to Towson University. And there I was able to get an undergraduate degree, a master's degree while I was there. Okay. And so uh, and mostly in my undergraduate experience, uh, we did a lot of on-campus organizing. So uh, I was a part of the Black Student Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was part of the debate team, of course. And then uh, we also created a student organization, which coincidentally is also called Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle at Towson. Okay. So wait a minute. Stop, stop, stop. Mm-hmm. You throwing it at us, <laughs> throwing it at us. So, you were on the debate team. Mm-hmm. So, tell the people: Did you get your scholarship from debating or like sports? How did how did you get to Towson? How did that happen? So I did. So in high school, 
so a lot of my background in high school, I didn't do sports that much. I maybe I think I wrestled for like half a semester, did tennis, mm-hmm. you know, but I wasn't really a sports person. I was mostly an academic. I was in the books. Excellent. And so um, I started off my high school career actually at Walbrook High School, which is actually not a school anymore. I was there for about uh, two and a half years and I did debate at Walbrook. And at that particular time, uh, there was a lot of, uh, there, that was when the Urban Debate League, quote unquote Urban Debate League movement was uh, pretty pretty uh, profound. So Walbrook happened to be one of the schools featured nationally that was like the prime example of what it meant to be at a school that had debate as its focus. Excellent. And wow. so they were on, um, in 2002. And this is Walbrook, off of North Avenue? Yeah, yeah. That's uh, I think it's. I think now it's going to be... Um, Kip, but that was uh, that was before they they uh, disbanded the school. That's what's up. Okay. But uh, that but then in two thousand and two or two thousand and three, uh, sixty minutes uh, from CBS came and did like a national news story about Walbrook's debate team, and so um, and that was coached by um, Angelo Brooks and uh, a few other folks, and so I was on that team at the time. And we I did pretty well. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, policy debate. Uh, if to give it context, uh, people think of policy debate or just debate in general, like the great debaters. Like you come into a room, you wear a suit, you say things that <laughs> yeah. are passionate, and you say big words. You sit at this table. Yeah. Poor dudes. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's one of those <laughs> things where uh, actually policy debate is a very specific kind of debate. There's mm-hmm. different kinds of debate to do. So there's a and there's like speech, like there's like extemporaneous speaking and things like that. Speech events. Those are the things that people probably see more of. Policy debate uh, is an extremely, it is the most academically rigorous form of debate that you can do. It's very evidence heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, The same amount of research that you do in one year of college debate is the same amount of research that a master's student does in their thesis. And that is every academic year. That is serious. So that's like. So you got to pile a lot on. Right, right. So this debate acumen that you have Mm -hmm. got you a scholarship at Towson. Right. So so when I finished. Oh, right. See, yeah, that's I, the emphasis. Yeah. So I finished. Because the brothers got to know they ain't got to, you know, everybody ain't got to oh, be yeah, in sports. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? The brothers can definitely ascend mm-hmm, through the mm-hmm. mind. So that's that's what we want to hear. Oh, yeah. There yeah. Was a, so that debate scholarship mm-hmm. was from Towson State. At, mm-hmm. No, it's Towson U. Sorry about then. Oh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Towson <laughs> U. Same difference. And you had a full ride. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of my peers. No bills. Yeah. A lot, a lot of my peers, too. Uh, we were all uh, either like people that get that got scholarships at the time to, mm-hmm. for debate. Uh, most of us were just from like from Baltimore, or other places like Atlanta or Oakland. Uh, these are the same profile of people. Mm-hmm. You're mostly just like from the hood or just from the area. Went to debate and we did well. And so they were just directors of debate at those universities that saw that, you know, we had skills and they gave us scholarships. Luckily, um, at that time, at that particular time, we, it was a transition because around the country, um, there was there had not been as much success on the national level in college debate that there is right now. There weren't a lot of black people that won championships or won top speaker at the major tournaments like Harvard's tournament, Wake Forest's tournament. Okay. And so when you so try the major tournaments are like in these Ivy League type schools mm-hmm. or the big mm-hmm. big schools. Okay. So you guys were ascending with the big schools. Right. So Towson so, was doing it. Right. So my first two years, mm-hmm. um, we mostly traveled regionally. We mostly just went around the DMV or like, you know, around New York City or maybe down south. And we just kind of did, you know, we did debate competition, but it was like, that's where the JV debaters went. Okay. Um, Davon, 
uh, Davon Love, who's our director of public policy, was on the team with me. Yes. And he Met was dissatisfied with the with the competition. He was like, I want to go to the big tournaments with the people that actually like the uh, debate the people that I'm going to be seeing outside of here. I don't want to go to the you know regional tournaments. I wanted to go to the big shebang. Right, right. So he, so he actually. Um, so around my sophomore year to my junior year, mm-hmm. um, we actually emphasized. We we focused on recruiting black students to the team. Okay. Uh, we focused on getting black coaching staff. And in two thousand and eight, uh, at the end of the year, Davon and his partner Devin Cooper became the first team of uh, black students to win a collegiate debate championship. To win. Mm-hmm. You hear that, community? Win, win, a debate. Scholarship, right? No. Championship. Championship. Mm-hmm. At, at the, at the, uh, the first black team. Mm-hmm. The first ta- the first black team in the country like, to ever win a collegiate debate championship. Wow, and that's Davon. Mm-hmm. The guy I met? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, excellent. And, but that, the other guy, not Lawrence, right? Now, now, Lawrence, actually, he was a coach on the Towson's team when a lot of students that were on that team had a lot of success. So he's coached a lot of the most successful black students in debate. He just, as a debater... He was at Whitman College. So everyone around you are from, you guys came out of college, mm-hmm. started this Leaders of the Beautiful Struggle, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's where you are now. Yep. And so you're still doing policy and debate, but with legislators. Basically. You <laughs> could put it like you, that. <laughs> yep. So you're doing that, or with, when I came to your symposium, what was that? What did I come to? That the, was uh, the marijuana like yeah mar- marijuana X legalization talk. yeah our Malcolm X talk on marijuana legalization and reparations yes mm-hmm. that that was really really informative uh, with Lawrence and he's what at your company he's the director of research he's the director of research mm-hmm. and Davon he's director of public policy yep okay and he's the two what what year champion of the debate Davon won that in two he won uh, the cross examination debate associations national tournament two thousand eight two thousand eight excellent mm-hmm. excellent. Okay, so what? Where is leaders of a beautiful, beautiful struggle going? What's, what are you guys? What's your trajectory? What are you looking to do next? When is the next legislative session? Mm-hmm. And what do you guys want to actually uh, bully into mm-hmm. <laughs> policy? Gotcha. That's gotcha. what you need to do. Hey, That's hey. what you got to do. That's right. You know, so make some policy the next session. So what's next? So in general, um, just for the listening audience, uh, there's a in terms of the kinds of things that we that that we're focused on in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, Baltimore does not really have uh, an ecosystem of political and social capital for Black people, economic and social economic and political capital for Black people and Black institutions, so that we can do our own, we can have our own um, power and autonomy to do for self. So what do you mean by that? So is that a pool of money or a pool of resources? Because more than money, you need talent. Right. You mm-hmm. need great minds. So a pool of resources that comes together and develops. Well, well, more than a pool of resources. Okay. But but for example, if black people in Baltimore wanted to elect a mayor, like if we thought that it was a mayor who we thought represented our interests, mm-hmm. and they were from the grassroots, they sure. were from the Everybody area. Everybody loved them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right, right now, we as a people cannot make that decision because we have we have a lack of access to the kinds of capital and also just the political connections to make it happen. And we can't do it just with black folks. We would have to do it with folks outside of our community. Got it. In addition, and that's just politics. If so you, we have to form alliances also. Right, exactly. And there's, and there's, in addition to that, that's just politics. If you look at 
other areas of civil society. You know, if black people wanted to have, like black social workers and practitioners and therapists wanted to have our own economic engines to, for black folks to be able to benefit from those practitioners, for them to have black people as clients. Sure. Like right now, we have to go to the University of Maryland School of Social Work or other white institutions to get validity from them, to get their degrees, get their get their certifications, and then we have to work in their formations for us to make money. But if we had some kind, if we had a network or a formal network of folks, where it's not just resources, it's people, practitioners doing that kind of work, then we can mm. actually do for self. And that's just that's just two different areas. But there's a bunch of things that like needs that. that type of structure. Exactly. Where you have an ecosystem. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so we see ourselves as helping develop that at more long term, because um, as a think tank, the, the job of a think tank is to drive the conversation, to drive the, the dialogue. You so, guys are influencers. Right, you're, you're right, and you're and in addition to that, because that's what that's what like the Heritage Foundation does in D.C. Yeah. Right wing think tank, mm-hmm. um, you know, gives Donald Trump his ideas for his public policy agenda. Sure. But where's our black version of okay. that? You mm-hmm. know, and so we see ourselves as trying to uh, bridge the gap. Like, because right now, if you, I would, I would venture to say, like, our organization is is one of a kind in the sense that we're not a traditional. 501c3, um, and we did that for a reason, because of our political work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because you're a 501c3, even though you can raise money to do certain kinds of political work, which is limitations. Like, you know, if you wanted to to give $50,000 to a candidate for office, you couldn't because you're a 501c3. Or if you wanted to speak up on a particular thing that's connected to electoral politics, you can't. can't. Mm -hmm. And so being an an LLC allows us a certain level of freedom that we don't have and a certain level of um, autonomy that other institutions like ours don't have. Got it. And so uh, long term. Was that something you guys researched, the, the application of how you structure? So so it's funny. The, how did that go down? The, sto- the story of that is funny because uh, in 2010, for two years, we didn't have a legal organization. We were just like, we came out of college. We were like, we don't know what to do yet. Mm-hmm. So we're going to just try our best to build connection with black people in Baltimore. You know, we're all from here. So it's not like we got to start over or nothing. But did but, you guys have jobs? I mean. Yeah, we had job. We all we all taught. Uh, okay. We had taught kids, or we had had like side gigs. I worked for the city, uh, funny enough, for for a year and a half. Wow, um, it's a funny story about that. <laughs> uh, but um, so we had had jobs, and we were like trying to figure out like how, how we monetize our skills. Sure. And so we had just talked about briefly. I think it was like a ten minute conversation. Like so. We don't want a 501c3 because we know that in order to make money with that, you have to have white people on your board and you have to get money from white sources. And that's sure. the only way to make it sustainable. And, really? and you don't want to make it a PAC because you know that PACs, you know, there's certain there's certain regulations on PACs and all your information's public. So if white people want to take us down, all of our information has to be public. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to keep our, our operations as close to the chest as possible Absolutely. while having as much freedom to do what we want. And the only thing that fit that description was LLC. So yeah, we were like... You, you create LLCs with people. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, a lot of us want to go out and create an LLC by ourselves. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. You create it with partners. <laughs> yep, exactly. LLC or for partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just learned that. So... You hear that, black people? Mm-hmm. That's a structure lesson. <laughs> so, okay, so Lisa Beautiful Struggle wants to set up an ecosystem mm-hmm. for the black agenda. Am I kind of so? Some- so more, I guess more, more, more precisely, I would say that our role is to help uh, 
it's, our role is to empower, is to help, is to assist in, in empowering black people in Baltimore to create an ecosystem of resources, political capital, and social capital, mm -hmm. so that we can drive what happens in our community in general. In general. And and so that and our our specific because everyone can contribute to that. That's just not something that we do. There's a bunch of people that are contributing to that. Sure. Our specific contribution is the political element of it, uh, because right now um, we've had to spend so much time over the past year over the past few years just like building connections with legislators um you know learning learning the law like sure. none of us have law degrees but we all did debate so it's kind of you know it went nicely with what we already knew sure, sure. so we had to spend a, a whole bunch of time over the past few years just building connections and what i would say the turning point for us was uh, was the uprising uh, mm. because um when the uprising happened just a short story about that um in 2015 so freddie gray was murdered I see you didn't say riot bro of course, yeah. It's always an uprising. Yeah, Absolutely. black folks, right. it's black uprising. Folks don't riot. <laughs> right, we right. Uprise. Exactly. <laughs> um, and that, and that year in 2015, mm -hmm. um, you know, April, Freddie Gray was murdered in April of that year, and how that how that lined up with the session because the Maryland General Assembly convenes January to April, and so January to April. That's the legislative mm -hmm. session. Yeah, that's that's when the that's when all the state legislators uh, convene to talk about legislation. Got it. And so. Um, if you remember back in 2014, that was after the death of Mike Brown and Ferguson. Mm -hmm. And so there were protests here. There were a bunch of conversations being had. There were all protests and all that stuff. And so people were talking about what should we do uh, to respond to the, the issue of police accountability in the state of Maryland. And so um, we were already advocating to change the Maryland Law Enforcement Bill of Rights, uh, which is a law codified in 1974, basically gives a bunch of a bunch of protections to law enforcement around the state that we are not afforded. Uh, an example of that was, you know, if you come in here right now and shoot me, um, you go to jail and you had to get a state, you have to give a statement. You mm -hmm. know, pretty straightforward. If a police officer came in here and shot me, they would have 10 days before they have to even give a statement. They wouldn't. They wouldn't go to jail. Uh, How was off this the applied? Bat. How did they get that into law? So that was a. That was that was in the seventies. That was the uh, fraternal order of police, and of I believe that Very out of powerful. yeah, and out of the fourteen states that have that kind of law in place, Maryland has the most restrictive law of that type. Hmm. And so we were like, "That's the that's the goal." If you talk about Mike Brown and police accountability, we got to talk about the law enforcement bill of rights. And that year, no laws passed because uh, the state legislature, you know, even though it's a bunch of progressive whites, quote mm -hmm. unquote, um, the Senate president uh, Mike Miller. Who is not progressive, bro? Not, not you know, he's like a good old boy from yes, from, from the south. Yes. You know? So he didn't allow anything to pass the legislature. Got it. Coincidentally, when that ended, when that session ended, the uprising happened, and so everyone's conversation was, well, what should we do? Because we were already working to get that change, but he didn't allow it to happen. And so when the uprising happened, and people were talking about changes, we were mm -hmm. like, well, what should we do? And we were like, well, we were in Annapolis just last year, just this year, and mm -hmm. nothing changed. And so um, a lot, it supercharged everything we were already doing. Good. And so it wasn't it wasn't because I feel like sometimes people lump us into the category of you know I I showed up on TV <laughs> and I became important. Exactly. Right? But, but, but you've been in a you've right, been right. in it <laughs> right. for a long time. And, and politics ain't you know let, policy is the least sexy version of all of that because it's it requires that. you to sit down and read mm -hmm. legislation and know when the white folks are trying to are trying to game you and play you. You got to build connections with people. Real talk. But it's hard, and that's hard. But that's people hard. don't like that part. People like to be DeRay McKesson. People want to go on TV Ooh. and tweet and, you know, Tell them how you talk really trash. Feel, Adam I mean, I'm Jackson. just, you know, that's. Because <laughs> that's how because that's how people. That's real talk, though. That's that's how that's the socialization of our people nowadays. Like, I see it as my I see it as 
I have to go through people to be legit. I have to go through black people. Like, if I do something that black people don't like, I have to answer for it. Absolutely. We got to be accountable to the community. Right. But people get, people just want time on television saying whatever. Because everybody want to be a superstar. Exactly. That's the problem. Yeah. But the community needs so much more. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we got to focus on the work. Exactly. Yeah. And there's some real work out here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> some real work. But you, you're calling people's names out, bro. I mean, he's just one. He is. He I is. He I is didn't the, know you had that. In you. <laughs> he is the one example. I, I can call some names in. now. <laughs> Calvin Hill. He, he's he's like one. He's just one very. He's a particular example. And of, he has a spotlight. Right. I wonder if he's running for mayor again. I hope not. Ooh. I hope not. He, you know, maybe he can do better than the two percent he got last time. You know, <laughs> but that's just my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> just saying, right? Mm -mm. <laughs> oh my goodness, that. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. Okay, okay. Yeah, let's, let's, let's move up out of there. Leaders of a Beautiful Struggle. So, the community. How can the community kind of access what you guys are doing? Mm -hmm. You know, like website. Where, what do you got? Where are you guys at? Holler at us. So, so our office is uh, downtown in the middle of Baltimore, mm -hmm. uh, 25 West Fayette Street, okay. in the uh, Harbor Bank building on the sixth floor. Um, but nice building. Yeah, it's nice. It's a nice building. For How long have you been in business, bro? We've only been there for about a year and there's some change, uh, but we actually spend a whole bunch of our time uh, collaborating with folks. So if people want to, uh, I mean, it's a combination of things, a combination of ways people can get at us. There's our email, info at lbsbaltimore.com, social media is at lbsbaltimore. Mm -hmm. But um, if people want to just talk to us and get more familiar with what we do and how we do it, you know, people are free to just shoot us an email, contact us, and, uh, you know, during the session, uh, we're going to need a lot of support for the things that we're working on. So, and we and we know that policy can sound real, you know, heady, like it's real esoteric and out there. Like, true, true. so we know we know for a fact that you gotta you gotta sit with folks and you gotta make sure people understand what's happening. Because uh, when you go to Annapolis during the year, when you go to Annapolis during the session, it's just it's a lot of people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lot of different things happening, and you can get overwhelmed very quickly, which is why we're so narrow mm -hmm. in terms of what we try to accomplish because we're a small grassroots organization. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, I would encourage folks if they want to just, you know, connect with us and figure out how to uh, work with us, just shoot us an email, info at lbsbaltimore.com and uh, you can contact me directly um, on, on social media at Smart Black Man. That's not mm -hmm. um, black man. I, I just got one question. Mm -hmm. So, as a for-profit entity, mm -hmm. what what's the business model behind the organization? Mm, okay, so um, there are a combination of ways that we have to make money because you know there's there's, there's always grants. Uh, grants usually come. The way we take grants is that they are um, for operational costs. So there, it's money. It's unrestricted funds to do what we need to do with them. Uh, the only the only uh, restriction on them is that you can't explicitly spend them on political campaigns and things like that. Uh, but uh, so if we get grants, that's what we use them for. But besides that, uh, we also have sustainers. So they're people that donate to us on a monthly basis, and that brings like unrestricted capital to the organization. And we also have uh, we do contract work for a variety of different things. Um, one one uh, and we and we essentially what we do is we talk to people like our target audience a lot of times is black people who work in major institutions like nonprofits and philanthropy who want to inject what we do into what their work is, but they know that there's limitations. And so uh, I, I look at us as like a higher gun most of the time. Like if you want to pay, if you want that in your organization, then you tell your white boss, you tell your your peoples to pay us and we'll come in and we'll give you all the, all the tools you need to, you know, inject as much of it as possible. So training and training workshops and between 
between that and also um you know, our intellectual work, like as we monetize our intellectual work, so we write books, uh, we do a variety of uh, different written reports for folks. So it's, we do fee-for-service things. And so we, we know it's, it has to be diverse because if we rely just on grants, we wouldn't, you know, long-term, we probably wouldn't be sustainable. More? Mm-hmm. So you can work with another group and be like uh, a hired gun for them. Mm-hmm, hmm I, mean, mm-hmm. I mean, white folks do it all the time, you know, they, except they do it with inferior scholarship. You know, they don't know how to really. Did you say inferior scholarship? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I mean. One one example of that would be like um, there's a there's a paper that Davon actually wrote that's we're going to publish very soon. The it's one on, that it's, you were talking about at the yeah yes. yeah, and uh, it's called "When Baltimore Awakes: a, An Analysis of, an Analysis of the Human and Social Service Sector in Baltimore." And uh, the the short description of what it is, it is an analysis of how the sector, like as it relates to human services, and social mm-hmm. services that serve black people. It's an analysis of the landscape and how white supremacy has pervaded the entire landscape and the institutions that are taking up the most air and the most resources. And then we just make a bunch of arguments as to what, as to how um, an African-centered approach to dealing with black people's problems mm-hmm. is actually way more effective. And we give our, you know, our scholarship comes from folks like Asa Hilliard, uh, people like Naeem Akbar, Dr. Joanne Martin and Elmer Martin, wow. uh, from who actually, they founded the Blacks and Wax Museum, yes. but wrote a whole book about Absolutely. black social work. Sure they did. And so there's all these black people that- Gordon Morgan, mm-hmm. you know, cause you talking about Towson, bro. So <laughs> I, I don't love Towson like that though. Oh, huh? oh okay, good. I'm a Morgan grad. We gotta talk about Morgan. You gonna bring some Towson up in here. I feel you, I feel you. <laughs> so it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, yeah. So those are some I'm some heavy folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And wow. and then the goal is to to have people to have that as their spear to be like, this is what I'm going to use to argue mm. against these institutions when they say that my that my work or my approach or my method is inferior. This is what I'm going to use and you know use that in the fight that we because that's the thing like on all the major. Uh, policy issues like take the Kerwin Commission like the Kerwin Commission is working I think it's the I'm, I'm probably going to butcher their name I think it's the National Education Institute mm-hmm. um, but the Kerwin Commission in Maryland is you know currently uh, giving recommendations for the future of the public school system in Maryland mm-hmm. and um, of course black people have our own concerns about that and so their, their scholarship is based on from, uh, from information from this national organization and institution. Uh, when you really when you really look through the data and look through the arguments they're making, it requires certain things to be true. Like integration is good. Like integration of the school system helped black people. Did not. And and if you work from that assumption, I mean, if that's the but if that's the center of gravity, then that is all that you're wow. working with. So if, if that's your standard, mm-hmm. then you're going to move from that standard. Mm-hmm. But it didn't particularly happen yet. Exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so how can that be the standard? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. So, the so goal you is guys to, point that out. Right. So the goal is to like uproot what our fundamental assumptions and then be like, well, what do black people think about that? Because sometimes we only think that, you know, white folks give us the framework. I think we think that Europe and Europeans, that's the center of gravity. Get Ja Rule on the phone. What does Ja have to say? <laughs> <laughs> Real talk. I mean, that's our, mm-hmm. always we, that's our standard. There's schools, there's mm-hmm. education. But let me ask you a question. As you do this work, because you have to touch white people mm-hmm. because they're mostly in policy. Mm-hmm. Um, the legend, when you go to Annapolis, it's not black. Mm-hmm. So you talk so freely about, you know, white supremacy the uh, you know racial aminus and all these different forms that come from these folks mm-hmm. and you talk about them does that hinder the relationships that you want to conjure like would say with some of these foundations and mm-hmm. you know of course legislators are white 
Mm-hmm. So you're talking about their history. So is that a limitation? Because you're doing it freely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So how does that affect your process? So I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it. So the, so the way that we, our orientation to the political arena and just like being black in America, that's all a plantation. You know, all yes, of us sir. are in various positions on, on the plantation. plantation. Exactly. Um, and we see it. So our, our whole approach to politics is that we have to create a maroon for ourselves off the plantation. And we have to create a system that supports our work without needing them. And so that's all self-sustaining. Right. And you have to, to do be. it for self. So sure. once you but once you start there, you know, it's like, so now what is my relationship to the people who are there already. And we did, I mean, I look at it like, you know, white folks respect two things, money and fear. They respect those two things only when in a, in a political arena. If I have money, they won't respect me anyway. Mm-hmm. So I have to use intimidation and fear tactics and all these other tactics to get them to respond. And to the politicians that are in power, a lot of them, what they're scared of is that they're scared of not getting voted back into office. They're scared of their public perception. They're scared of how we can make them look if we have to chase them down. And so in, in politics, and it's pretty- And they're fearful anyway, let's, let's, let's be clear. Of black people, right. Yes. They, they paint you as the, as the so black white brutes. fragility is real. Yeah. White fear is real. Mm-hmm. So when you brothers come in, smart, mm-hmm. intelligent, coming for them, that's a lot. Right, but but that's sometimes. But we understand that they're not used to free black people. Oh, so when you're when you're a free black person, it's like what you mean. It's like absolutely, it's what I said. And when you approach it, when you approach it from a position of power and strength and self respect, there's not too much that anybody can do. And when you have legitimacy with black people, because I see my I draw. I think we draw our power from that. Like there's no I don't come, like we don't come into Annapolis like yeah we the smartest people here. Mm-hmm. So that's why we dope. And because we could easily just be tossed back out, spit back out. Sure. But we saw those first formative years of the organization of like being broke, you know, having to work all these different places, doing all this community work that a lot of people don't know that we did, but forging all these relationships with black people and doing work with black people first. And then when we actually started doing work in Annapolis, Mm -hmm. um, it started to be a lot more. we, We realized that because we could actually activate our base to call their offices and to show up when we needed them to and to actually See, we're call actualizing them movement exactly, with the right, people who right. usually don't do a lot of movement. Exactly, right. So once we started doing that, they respond They respond differently to you. You sure. know, if, if, you just, right. if you're just a smart black person with a, with a good hit on your shoulders. It's not enough. Yeah, or they'll co-opt you. They'll grab you and be like, yeah. you know. And with white, and the, with the white uh, <clears throat> philanthropy, in our profit sector, which they, is a complex too, it's like the prison adultery industrial mm-hmm. complex, nonprofit. What's it called? Nonprofit. Nonprofit industrial complex. Industri- yeah. mm-hmm. They're doing the same thing, and it, and it, and it's different, but it's the same. It's the same because because uh, usually they can they can um, you know d- destroy you by starvation. They'll just starve you out of the resources Absolutely. long enough until you submit. But when you are you're in your own maroon, it's like actually I don't need any of that, and so. Uh, so the black people who are like uh, who work on those institutions who work with us directly are like I support you so I'm going to advocate for you because and so it's not a relationship with the the philanthropic group it's them understanding their interests it's like if you pull that money then you know you're going to have to deal with this and you would much rather be on on this side of history as opposed to this one but it's not really about the money it's like that's really the second part it's we just know the intersection of their interests and ours and so it's like as long as you leverage that sounds like yeah and I think and a bigger thing is they don't understand your capacity right they know that you're great mm-hmm. and they don't know how great they don't know that what that capacity is mm-hmm. so listen let's deal with these brothers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they smart <laughs> they got it going on mm-hmm. and if we try they gonna come for us 
Basically. Yeah, you, you just basically something. Yeah, that's it. Listen, they do this in every industry, bro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, so they, you, can say, you can say, y'all, you guys are in Annapolis, but this is happening in hospitals. Mm-hmm. This is happening over here at the janitorial mm-hmm, company. Mm-hmm. This is the same type of behavior. That's right. You know, it's, it, people say, well, I'm not racist, but behavior mm-hmm. is present from learned behavior. That's right. That's right. So that learned behavior you see in every modality. Mm-hmm. So it's not just happening in Annapolis. So yeah, I can explain right. it because I work too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Hey. <laughs> you know, and it's happening to all of us Absolutely. in some form. Mm-hmm. You know, some of us try to be oblivious to it, mm-hmm. like it's not going on. Right. It's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's all good. No, okay. You're right. Okay. So um, you guys doing some big work because, you know, the policy thing scares us. Mm-hmm. You know, we barely vote. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing I want to talk to, you know, then we're going to get out of here. But this vote, you know, we got 2020, this mm-hmm. thing big. We got mayor. Uh, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we we have president. Let's have three breaths. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> we got a lot going on this 2020. But then a lot of city, a lot of stuff going on in, actually in the, in the city. Yeah, right. You mm-hmm. know, so um, this president of the city council, that stuff, all that stuff is up 2020, right? Mm-hmm, I need mm-hmm. your help on this. I'm not, you know, the box, we're not really up on it. So we're trying to get a little education. So what can we do as a collaboration with like a few little few of us black uh community lovers mm-hmm. let's say like that if we collaborated how could we actualize the people to vote more well, and especially when we have the most important presidential election mm-hmm. probably in a in a long time and mayoral Mm-hmm. It's important. These these leaders are important. So and it affects us. We act like you know politics is just something that's happening, right? But it's very effectual to your everyday life, especially mm-hmm. city politics. So, um, what can we do to as a collaboration to try to because you know everybody can't do everything. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. what can we do together to try to actualize the vote? And we got these forty thousand uh, ex felons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a lot coming down. They can vote in 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, no one's talking about that. And, you know, the governor cut the re-entry money. Right. So right. them brothers ain't, this brother's coming for nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they got, he got to eat that. That's right. That's why he was trying to veto and mm-hmm. dance yep. and cry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they coming out. Mm-hmm. And the judge said, right, mm-hmm. they can vote. Yeah, right. Okay. So how can we address the situation? So, in, so just kind of a... In general, you know, just general context. So in Maryland, um, you know, Maryland is always going to vote Democrat for the foreseeable future, primarily because of the, you know, Montgomery County, Prince George's County, Mm -hmm. Baltimore City, Baltimore County. Like we're our state in in relation to the larger, the the presidential race, we're going to vote Democrat. Democrat. So it's really the matter, the flavor of Democrat that people want. My my personal perception of the presidential race at this moment like today is that it's uh, way too many it's like everyone's everyone's fighting for the soundbite and for the spotlight and they're really just all different versions of each other for the most part um i mean i don't i'm still i mean so nobody I, stands out not to me i mean there's people like bernie sanders you know he's a he's a social he's an actual socialist but Comparing him, I mean the thing, the same well, talking Bernie points. Said no reparations for the Africans. Man. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's Go like that, you look at Bernie Sanders with stuff like that. It's like I mean, the rest say of them. Some dumb stuff that ain't social. That, right. Is and, that social, G? 
That ain't social. <laughs> but they, but they're all, but they're all on varying levels of the. They're like the same person repeating a different version exactly, of the same talking exactly. point. So even if you have a, someone who you think is radical, like you know Elizabeth Warren or Bernie Sanders or whatever, you know, it just really they're to really me, it's like even if you get someone that you want elected president, the question is who actually has an impact on your daily life, and you know, to by and large, it's not the presidency. So to me. If people care about the presidential race, they should they should vote for they they you know, should campaign. Trump is just in the news, you know. Trump is pulling people's emotions. So mm-hmm. I mean, he, I mean, it's smart. It's smart. He's he's a reality television star, so he knows how to absolutely how to get the cameras and how to get he's, people talking. He's good at that. Mm-hmm. He's real good at that. But the problem is he can't control himself. Right. Right. Yeah, you know, and that's a bad that's a bad problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. So okay, mayor, let's hit the mayor. What you think? It's a lot of them too. It's like fifty-four of them. Yeah, and <laughs> and and along those lines, like I said earlier, they, they, there's it's a different version of that same problem where Baltimore is in a very interesting transition. It's we've been in a transitional period for the oh, past man. like few years now. Yeah, and because uh, the implication rem- is real right now. Yeah, yeah. they're coming. Well, they're here, let's, and it's and it's a clear. combination of like people people are jockeying for position in power and people in my, in my age group I guess you I guess you would call them and what is that well I'm 31 okay. so people that but they're slightly older than me so they're around like 35 to 40 like early 40s mm-hmm. these are folks who are who have been like the younger people that have been in elected office and whatnot and so all of them to varying degrees are fighting for a new position in this new political um you know, landscape. You know, you have Elijah Cummings who passed away recently. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Bush uh, who passed away. Yeah. And Mike Miller who's likely to pass away. Yeah. The next year or so, uh, even though people are saying he's getting Tell better. Him how you really feel? He's. I mean, he he he's probably sick, will. Though. He probably he he, he might sick. pass away. Yeah. Uh, but he, but he but he's probably not going to have as much influence in the legislature because um, he's sick and he has cancer. Mm-hmm. And then you also have. Um, since the since uh, mayor, uh, former mayor Catherine Pugh's uh, removal from office, um, it created this real big vacuum that people have now are now clamoring to fill. And and I mean, if you go back even further, you know Martin O'Malley when he left to run for president after he finished the governorship, mm-hmm. um, he was the he was the machine for yeah. the most part. He was the representation of the machine. But, but is as he, he not left, still in the machine though. Churning? He is in, in Maryland Churning politics. The wheel. In Maryland politics, like pieces of it, like he still has connections and he's still connected to Baltimore, of course. Mm-hmm. But in the larger landscape of things, there's a big vacuum that everyone's trying to fill at the same time. Sure. So yeah. in the mayor's race, um, the problem is that people, because that is the case, you know, everyone is trying to out left, out progressive each other. Sure. And there are things that are popular now that were not popular not even four years ago. Um, like police accountability, mm-hmm. for example. Uh, you know, you have people who are running for mayor who, when you and you run the tape back to 2012, like they, they sounded very different. That. They ran say I'm very yeah. different in 2012. Smith is running though. That's the police speaker, ain't it? That's that's good for him. You know, that's uh, that's what's <laughs> up. Everybody, <laughs> that's what's up. Right here. So yeah. you know what? You're a young man. Mm-hmm. So you know they got a young man running too. Mm-hmm. So is that uh, Brandon? Brandon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you think about a young person that in their 20s? Running a mayor, being a mayor. What do you, you think know, about that? Is that a problem? Is is the youth an issue? Or if you if you had asked me that in like 2011, I'd have been like, yeah, young people should run for office. We gotta take back the power. That's the, that's where we have the most power at. That's yeah. how I felt back then. Good. After actually being a being in the political process, mm. um, there are some things that you just don't know how to do. 
as a 20-some-odd-year-old. Now, that's not Brandon, of course. Brandon's been in elected office for a few years now. And um, from his constituents, you know, he has a he's, he has a pretty good track record, like, on constituent services and mm-hmm. things like that. But um, someone who's just, like, young and just wants to run for office, you know, the pathway to get there is the question. Because, um, like, who produced you? You know, like, Ella, it's that Ella Baker question. Who Who are your people? You know, so if you come real talk, who the people is. Yeah, so if you come through if you come by to elected office by way of, you know, unions and the fraternal order of police and white donors, then that's who your base is and that's who you respond to. That's not that's always the issue. So would you so so any candidate you just say look at who's putting the money behind them or look at their base? Yeah. I mean and, and that's that's the best way to see how they going forward because yeah. that's who they're gonna work for. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And I th- and I think that's part of the I mean, is my my uh unsolicited opinion about what happened in two thousand was that two thousand eleven versus mm-hmm. two thousand and sixteen. Was that two thousand yeah, two thousand eleven, two thousand sixteen, because I think there was a break in the the they, they added a year before the local elections had they put the local elections on the presidential election cycle yeah yeah yep. and so my what i what i assessed from what happened between then and when uh, we had the last mayor's race was that there were young people younger people that were on the council now who ran for office and were really progressive saying some of the progressive things that they you know believed in and you know mm-hmm. things that were that probably are popular now but weren't popular back then and they mostly ran grassroots campaigns none of them won and so we come to the next election um, where Catherine Pugh won the election and you could see who was who who started associating with certain kinds of groups. Yeah. Now, 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 some of it's not all the way terrible, but, you know, if you don't if but for, because people ask me all the time, like you should run for office. It's like, well, to, to win a council race in Baltimore, I need at least 80. I would say safely eighty thousand dollars. So if you're not going to give me eighty thousand dollars and you can't tell me to run for office because I'm going to have to find it. And who got eighty thousand dollars? Who does my base? Does the black people I know mm-hmm. can they give me eighty thousand, or are you gonna give me eighty? Because if somebody give you eighty, they're gonna want you to do some work, right? And it's like there's no, it should be no expectation that I mean, white people expect like I'm not donating to you because eighty grand for think, a, for a city council seat. I mean, you could probably win with forty, but safely, I would say safely eighty thousand dollars. Grand, they spending money like that, bro. Yeah, just yeah, some, yeah to make what they make about forty grand a year. I think now they make like I think city council makes six fifty or sixty. Okay, or so it's really power. Yeah, Ain't money. Mm-hmm. It's them connects. Yeah, because and if, you get paid to connect. I love it. Right, <laughs> and if you if you a city council person, your your work is real. It's not it's not really in policy. It's mostly you uh you do constituent services. You are a glorified city. Uh, you're a glorified customer service representative. Really? I call you when my potholes uh, are. In my street, I call you when my trash ain't picked up. No one's talking to them about education policy because wow. they don't have a lot of power. What if you want to run for that seat? Huh? What if you want to be city council? They're going to pull up the box and say, <laughs> I, tell them, I tell them I'm on the council, you know? Because there's, there's not all, because people think it's so much power there. But mm-hmm. really, Baltimore's a mayor heavy city. And, you know. True, uh, the, mayor, the mayor does everything, he makes all the rules, mm-hmm. you know? Sets the budget, yeah. you know, all, all the things that you would want to do. Like, even, even down to stuff like um, education and criminal justice. Those are two th- like public safety and schools. Every black person cares about. Sure. But and people are cussing out the mayor talking about those two issues or the city council. But people don't know that if you want to change either one of those things in Baltimore, those things lie with the state. You got to go to the state to change anything about the public school system because mm. we're in state control. Sure. And the uh, police department is a state agency technically because that's the way the charter is written. So there's nothing that you can really do about either one of those institutions unless you go to the state house. So the other things oh, that the, I learned something today. 
Yeah, and the, and the rest of the power for real is uh, in economic development. That's where the real power is, and that's why people want to be on city council because they, you know, they see the opportunities to work with people like Kevin Plank and yeah, 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 yeah. get paid off. The connect. And, yeah, 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 yeah. It's about to connect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Who gonna have them connects? Exactly. Get Under Armour. So all, mm-hmm. the, all you need is eighty gram to get the Under Armour. Hey, that's hey, <laughs> hey. Depend depending on where you Whatever. running. Mm-hmm. Under Armour. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so we don't get about you, but um. We always do this. We always kind of ask what you do in your community, but you do a lot in the community, so that's a that's a, that's a question you already <laughs> answered. But um, what's the last thing you want to tell the people? Last will and testament. What you want to tell the people? What you want to leave? The nugget, the jewel, hit them. Uh, if you want to get involved with working with black people, you should just start doing mm. it. And to spend as much time as you can in community and to not focus so much on, uh, you know, popularity, or you know what's what's the popping thing happening? Like you should spend a lot of time in community with Black people that don't get shine, that do work, and to build your base and your capacity there, because that is going to be where you draw all your power and influence up from as you work in the future on behalf of Black folks. That's what's up, you know, because oh. them folks will they'll build you up, mm-hmm. but they're gonna be the first to tear you down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you better have some alliances with your people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Because they're gonna be the ones who walk with you. Mm-hmm. All right, so Adam, we out of here. We appreciate you. Thank you. At appreciate Black Box you. Radio. Um, you don't you, want to wrap or nothing? Wait, I'm coming for that. You know I'm coming. Oh, I'm no good for that. <laughs> we appreciate <laughs> you. <laughs> but I know you talent. got a talent, bro. You got a spoken word. You got something you do. What you do? Mm. What you got? You spit? Nah. <laughs> Not we got a mic for you, bro. <laughs> Give us that debate mm. on the mic. I got That's nothing. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> you got to get an ant. Yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I got it. You just a, you just scholarship. Smart black man. There you go. That's enough, bro. Because you taught me something tonight because I sure didn't know some things. So I really appreciate that. I love when the guests teach us and you taught us something. So um, we're going we're gonna to stay up. We're going to stay linked up because yes, um, there's some things to do for 2020. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I'm really um, heavy on. Have you heard of Hope? Hope is that mm-hmm. a, is that a group? Yeah, they're um, helping people. Ex- helping oppressed people. Thank you. Yeah, helping oppressed people excel. Um, it started by ex offender for ex offenders. Hmm. They weren't on the show, so Adam, you telling on yourself, bro? Hmm. You not listening? You not hmm. listen to the box? You right. You right. You right. You right. <laughs> Just I'm caught. I'm caught. You caught. <laughs> you real caught. But who but who who was that? Um, Antoine Quarles Bay. That sounds real. L, excuse me. Let me get the. Excuse me, Antoine. Antoine Quarles L. Mm -hmm. He. Um. They came on. They spoke about him. Amazing. They uh advocate for ex felons. Mm. Um. They come together every Monday. Tuesday. Oh. That's why I got G. Thank you, G. Every Tuesday at six, because I've been to two of their Mm. meetings. It's amazing. They talk about their struggle. Um, he's had grants for his um, to give them a bus pass every week. Mm. Um, they they meet in a church in which he works for, and they're very um, forward in trying to help them. They go to Annapolis. They've, uh, they've yeah, they testify right. They've done some testifying and yeah. for ex felons. They really that's how I knew that they took the money that the governor took the money out of mm. reentry because Antoine put me down. Got you. Okay. Yeah. So, but I think that link with you guys. Cause you guys are serious. They need that. Okay, yeah. I'm probably I'm surprised I haven't come across them already. Yeah, yeah. so I'm gonna link with you and we're gonna show up at the meeting. Got you. Okay. I'm down with that. Meet them brothers. I'm with it. 
Yeah, they need they need some young brothers that and 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 they really really trying to do good in their life, mm. trying not to go back to jail. Um, they've all been out for a considerable amount of time, really mm. taking care of themselves. So that you know that, but they need advocacy. They need help. Gotcha. They, yeah. Really not help, but they need men out here that probably have never had the issues that so they can just give them some inspiration mm-hmm. you know kind of funnel them where they need to go but they're real good brothers that, all right. so that's something that you guys we all can link in but definitely they're really on these 40,000 um, mm. felons that's coming because that's what they are got you yeah so that that's a that's really important to them so this 2020 um, race is I think voting to me is a tool mm-hmm. you know the box we neutral so we're not Republican we're not Democrat mm-hmm. we're African mm-hmm so we don't really know much about all of that. We know that we know enough to vote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's say that. Mm-hmm. And then we learn from you guys, leaders of Beautiful Struggle. But definitely, voting is a tool. It's not the end all. Mm-hmm. And But we do need to have a more structured vote. That's right. Policy is important. Mm-hmm. It affects our lives. It's going to affect the future. So we got to be very, um, I think, um, diligent. Yes, ma'am. We definitely do. So we out here, um, Black Box Radio. Holler at us at blackboxradio.com. Um, also email blackboxradio at gmail. Um, G, you want to say anything? You good? Can the people hear your voice? Ooh. <laughs> so no talents for us? Nah. Just a check again, bro. Got oh, nah, I got, got nothing. <laughs> this queen of B. We out. Peace.